welcome to Jat Chat, the official podcast from the Journal of Athletic Training, brought to you by the National Athletic Trainers Association. I'm Dr. Kara Radzak from the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and today uh, it is my pleasure to be joined by the two co-editors for the special issue on pediatric anterior cruciate ligament injuries. Dr. Sandra Schultz is a professor at the University of North Carolina, Greensboro, and I'm also joined today by Dr. Brian Pietro-Simone, professor at UNC Chapel Hill. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. Thanks for having us. So first of all, Sandy and Brian, the first question is why focus on pediatric, right? You could do a special issue just on ACL injury. Why focus on pediatrics? Well, I think we've done quite a bit on just ACL injury. And I think many of us in the university setting, we often study a convenient sample of college athletes. And when you really look at the injury incidents, ACL injury risk really begins to rise about 12 years of age and accelerate up till until it peaks around 16, 17 years of age. And that's a time frame where pediatric ACL injuries are really outpacing those of adults. They're getting injured at younger ages. Um, and, but when you look at the research, only about 15%, uh, if you do a PubMed search, only about 15% of articles on ACL risk and prevention are in the pediatric athlete. So if we're going to get ahead of the injury, we really need to start focusing on what's really the most vulnerable population. So that was really um, the impetus of really wanting to focus on um, this younger population for for the ACL retreat and this special issue. Yeah, I think, you know, like Sandy was saying, trying to, to raise awareness um, for the need to do more research in this area was a, a really a big thing for us. We scoured a lot of the different research groups, you know, looking for, you know, really good papers, you know, to, to get into this special issue and, and to, you know, be at the ACL research retreat. And, you know, it, it wasn't easy, not because people weren't, you know, doing great research out there, but just like Sandy said, a lot of times this group of people, even though they're, you know, sustaining a lot of the injuries, we weed them out of our studies. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, this was really kind of a, you know, call to action a little bit uh, to, oh. to really start to, you know, research this really important subgroup. And Brian, how has ACL injury treatment changed over the past few years in regards to pediatric populations? Well, that was kind of a, a thing that, you know, made us a little nervous after seeing, you know, uh, a, a bit of the, the research in this area was that, you know, ACL, um, I guess rehabilitation and treatment, right, um, is is definitely evolving, you know, across the board, and we're doing a, a lot of, I guess, innovative and, and different things. But you know, in the pediatrics, the pediatric population themselves, are it's not really changing any differently, right, um, or, or substantially compared to to adults. And like Sandy says, oftentimes we're treating them like you know just little adults, right? So you know that that was something that came out of you know, I think a, a lot of the, the the work and the discussion that happened at the ACL retreat and the work that was, you know, in this special issue, um, you know, that there are differences that are emerging, you know, uh, you know, pre-injury, you know, after injury um, that that should be treated potentially differently than the adult ACL population. So what are some things that we can expect that readers can expect out of this special issue? What are the types of publications? 
Well, one, we've got a, a couple of articles that is really evaluating primary risk and prevention. Um, one is a large systematic review of um, how risk factors change during age and maturity level. Um, and it, it really speaks to the need for future longitudinal studies because what we learned is there's a lot of gaps in that information. And um, it was it was a it was a process, but it I think it really shows as much what we know and what we still don't know and what is still needed. Um, other papers are looking at um, advancing our understanding the role of central processes. You know, we've looked a lot at neuromuscular control. Um, and things around the knee, um, but this is really looking at more of how the brain interacts um, and plays a role in injury risk and prevention. Other basic science orthopedic studies describing recent trends in ACL maturation, reconstruction, operative techniques, um, and finally, several papers, papers that focus on rehabilitation strategies, return to play criteria, particularly focused on uh, the pediatric population. So we take it from really soups to nuts in terms of um, initial risk and prevention to secondary risk to, you know, how we need to structure our rehabilitation to, to avoid that secondary risk and long-term complications because these young pediatric athletes are also going to develop osteoarthritis sooner um, and are more likely to suffer secondary injuries. So um, how we treat them after that initial injury um, is pretty critical. Yeah, you're really spanning the whole range. And what are some key takeaways that you're hoping clinicians are going to be able to get out of this? You know, I think some of the, the key takeaways, right, are that this is a different population, right? This is a different population um, of people, right? And I, I think, you know, obviously, I mean, it's known, but when you look at some of the um, I guess for results that came out of that that systematic review, and you you see the changes in you know um, uh, I guess pediatric patients right really early on you know there are you know dramatic uh, sex differences as well all right mm -hmm. so that that this might actually end up getting you know um, uh, you know further into the weeds where we have to understand not only these differences in, in maturation right that could affect risk and you know, rehabilitation, but also, you know, the differences between the males and, and, and females, um, you know, at, at some of these different maturation levels. And I, and I hope that it takes us a little bit earlier too. Like when you look at um, most of the ACL prevention programs that have been looked at, um, they've either been in college or even the adolescents are more mature adolescents. So, you know, I think the youngest is like 14 years of age and most of them is, is later. Um, but we know that these sex differences develop as early as eight to 10 years of age. Mm -hmm. So, you know, hopefully this will help us think even young, like what's happening before um, that 14 years of age when that risk is really beginning to peak. Um, but that requires, you know, us doing some longitudinal work and really understanding those developing athletes um, and how males and females develop differently um, as well as, both at the, not just between sex, but at the individual level, you know, not everybody develop, develops risk. So, you know, what are those developmental processes? And I think also some of the, the other interesting uh, aspects, 
you know, in addition to some of the, the physical impairments, right, that we see in, in the pediatric population, uh, there, there was a lot of work also done with some of the, the mental health, um, you know, uh, uh, studies and, and, and changes. And there were um, some interesting studies looking at communication between uh, the mm -hmm. clinician uh, the patient. And in this case, right, like the parents, um, you know, so there, there are a lot of, uh, you know, other, you know, interesting things to navigate for, I think the clinician when they're, you know, um, working with, with this population that are, are some interesting papers within this, uh, special issue. Yeah. You guys are spending that whole time frame, but also all the different aspects. I really do like the, we're seeing more in in all areas of research of actually taking into consideration the mental health of the patient and that interaction, that patient clinician interaction. So that's, that's something that I'm looking forward to seeing out of this special issue. So um, what are some things, you know, kind of, kind of broached into that already. Um, what are some things that you're really excited about um, with moving this research into the future, some gaps that were identified, some potential areas of growth or need? Yeah, I, I mean, this kind of goes to the call to action uh, a little bit that we put in, in the editorial at the beginning of the, the special issue. But, you know, one of the things just, you know, that we saw a bit uh, was that many of the studies that were done were not necessarily created uh, to, you know, specifically evaluate pediatrics. Sometimes this was, you know, uh, a side project that was part of a, a cohort that people, you know, uh, put into the, uh, you know, the special issue. And and what we really need is is probably to develop and design studies specifically to look at this, this subgroup. And, you know, we realized, you know, th there's a lot of reasons why this is difficult, you know, the consenting process in, in this group, uh, you know, of individuals, right. And, you know, uh, so that that's a, you know, a, an immediate hurdle to, to, to doing just to doing this research. Um, and, you know, I think um, trying to get some of the youngest uh, individuals, right? Um, you know, a lot of the the studies, even looking at pediatrics, are are skewed to the older group. Um, right. And I think one of the things that you know the the systematic review um, that and, and meta analysis that Sandy uh, was describing or and and led was that we we realized that age really is probably not the best way to characterize, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, this this subgroup, we really have to look at at skeletal or, or sexual mm -hmm. maturity really to to have a, a a better control. So there's a lot of factors that make it difficult mm -hmm. to research in this area, but there's a dramatic need to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think with getting away from age, just to give an example, you know, um males and females go through these maturation stages at different time and at different speeds. Um, you know, you could have a, on average, maybe a female hits menarche at 12 years of age, but it can happen anywhere between eight and 15. Um, and so using, and, and also I think another thing we learned across the studies is how, um, maturation is categorized. Um, it's not consistent. And so part of it is, you know, can we use common categorization, so that we can we can compare some data across across studies. Um, I think another thing is, you know, 
this research, we're going to have to get out of the lab to find the pediatric patients. And so another thing that I think a few of the papers addressed were barriers. You know, what are some of the barriers to either implementation, um, you know, making it accessible, um, especially when it comes to prevention? You know, what are coaches' perception in terms of making this a part of sport and not an add-on? Um, you know, what level of stimulus do we need to really uh, affect a pediatric versus um, adult? So um, we're really hoping that we, we need to communicate. We need to think about, you know, outside the lab, how can we create collaborations that allows us to do this work in the community and on a larger scale um, so that we can really understand um, and impact this, this population. So if you were to look into the future, what is your hope? How long will it go before we have another special issue on this? And what are some things that you hope to see changed? We were hoping that maybe in a, in a decade, we would have another special issue on this. And um, we wrote a few ideas down, I think, uh, in the editorial about you know what we would hope to see in that, uh, what was it, 2032? three special issue um, yeah, on, yeah. Uh, on, on pediatric ACL. And, you know, I think one of the, the, the main things was to, to decrease, uh, to understand what are the, the primary risk factors in the pediatric patients to decrease ACL injury risk, um, to, to understand, you know, what specific evidence-based treatments would, you know, um, get patients, pediatric patients back to activity and decrease, you know, that, that long-term, you know, uh, deleterious change in their, in their joint tissue health. So, you know, I think those were the, the main things that we, that we, yeah. we need really focusing on, you know, yeah. that, that patient population. And we'd love to see that percentage of literature go from 15% up quite a bit higher, that it's, it's more representative in the scientific literature. Um, that we just have more knowledge and evidence to share with clinicians. Mm -hmm. Now, in addition to our listeners being primary, primarily clinicians, there's probably a lot of parents out there, right? And so what would be some things that, that were found, or if somebody listening is a parent who might have a, a child who's in this high risk population, some, some give them some hope. I think part of that is on us to make sure that we are providing this information to be accessible to parents um, and coaches, um, that we are a resource to them to, for implementation. Uh, I think they do seek us out to, you know, you'll get calls. My daughter just tore her ACL and she just started her period, you know, within the last year. Is this something to do? You know, I mean, you're answering these type of questions, but they are looking for people know what an ACL is, um, you know, I think. And so providing this information and digestible and where they can go to get for screening, where they can go for prevention strategies, but it, it certainly needs to become more of a um, mainstream community engagement, you know, with, with what we're doing um, again, taking this out of the lab and into the community. And I think, that's where I think we can really have the biggest impact is, 
is moving towards more community-engaged scholarship with some of this. Yeah, and I, I think when it comes to parents and, and clinicians, you know, to go back to some of those, uh, you know, studies that we're looking at the communication um, in this group, I think, you know, uh, one of the things that was was really important was having good communication between the the parents, the the patient, the clinician, right, um, the, the rehabilitation clinician, and the surgeons, um, and and also, you know, the idea that you know, consistent um, support was really critical for, you know, these patients, um, these, these pediatric patients going through ACL um, rehabilitation. You know, I think the other thing to, to think about is, you know, like Sandy and I were saying, we're, we're, the call is to have more research in this area. Uh, parents, patients need to be keeping up with new research that's, that's out there and advocating for you know, the, the newest prevention strategies and the, and the best rehabilitation. So keep your eye on the, the news, the PubMed uh, to, to see what's actually coming out. And that's part of us partnering with them. You know, I think sometimes we have this idea of what we want to research, but sometimes we need to find out what their needs are, what their perceived needs are. Um, you know, trying to work with a group, just as an example, is trying to work with a group on prevention. And it's like, well, all they need to do is stretch and drink water. There's a big educational component to that. Um, so, you know, but what do they perceive the need to be? And, you know, what do coaches need for to make this something that's doable to implement um, versus, hey, we want to do this intervention. So, the more that I think we can partner with parents and with coaches, the more buy-in. Um, and I think the more effective the impact and effective and impactful that research could be. So any last things that you want to impart on the audience of why, why should they go out and seek the special issue? I think there's something for everyone from the standpoint of um, if you're interested in injury risk, um, avoid, you know, what are some things that we need to be thinking about and looking for? Um, um, new aspects of thinking about injury prevention, those who are actively in rehabilitating, um, you know, um, or, the, you know, some people it's, it's how, what are the current advances and how these are being surgically repaired and how is that going to affect the way that I think about um, rehabilitation or um, as well and care for that, for that athlete. So I think there's whether, wherever you are on the spectrum of seeing um you know, athletes with ACL injury, whether it's before or after, I think there's something in there for you. Um, so again, thank you guys so much. And all of the researchers out there, uh, start working now for the 2032 call for the next special issue. I greatly appreciate you guys taking your time to talk with me today, Dr. Schultz, Dr. Pietro Simone. Thank you again. And this special issue of pediatric ACL injuries, like all of JT's material is available, open access, free of charge. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you.